Hey, welcome back to the Deeper Podcast. Today is January the 20th, and it's the 20th day of our Bible reading journey. And we are in the middle of the book of Exodus. Yesterday we talked about the law, and today we're going to take a closer look at the tabernacle, its contents, and including the Ark of the Covenant. And we're also going to look at the ordination process for Aaron and other priests. And lastly, in chapter 31, we see that God has placed the proper individuals to do all of the things that he has commanded Moses to do. So let's jump in and study today's text. Starting in Exodus 25, God gives instruction for the construction of the tabernacle. This was the portable house of God. This is a place where God would meet with his people. His presence would be visible over the tabernacle both day and night, and he would lead his people from this point, from the tabernacle. It was the place that housed the commandments that God had given to his people. It reminded the people of God's standard and his requirements of the people in order to live holy lives according to God. It was the place where God provided grace and forgiveness for his people through the blood sacrifices. This points to the coming Christ as the ultimate sacrifice for our sins. It pointed to the final stage of restoration of the relationship between God and man where there would be a new heaven and a new earth and we would dwell with God. We first start with the Ark of the Covenant, which contains the Ten Commandments. It contains Aaron's staff, the, the one that was turned into a snake in the court of Pharaoh. And it also contains a jar of manna. Now the lid of the Ark of the Covenant was known as the mercy seat. This Ark was placed in the innermost part of the tabernacle known as the most holy place, and it served as God's throne. Once a year on the Day of Atonement, the high priest would go into the most holy place and sprinkle blood on the mercy seat. Now this was meant to make amends for the people's unintentional sins. The fact that God gave Moses specific details for the construction of the tabernacle and all of its contents tells us of the importance of God's authority over our salvation. The only way to reconcile with God was by His terms. We live in a society today where it's generally accepted that there are multiple truths and there's no absolute truth. There's your truth and there's my truth. But it's very, very important that we understand that there is only one way to God and that is on His terms. And His terms to us today are through His Son, Jesus Christ. Now, as we read about all these specifications throughout these six chapters, I want us to look at the veil. The veil plays a great significance as it pertains to our relationship with God. The veil separated the holy place where the priests prayed and gave thanks on behalf of the people from the most holy place where the Ark of the Covenant and the the mercy seat and the throne of God was. This served as a reminder of the separation of a holy God and a sinful people. People were not able to freely approach God. In fact, only once a year was the high priest permitted to enter into the most holy place, and that was under certain conditions to atone for the sins of the people. Now, you might have heard the phrase, the veil has been torn, as it relates to the old covenant versus the new covenant. This is in reference to Jesus Christ fulfilling the law and becoming the blood sacrifice that would bridge the gap between God and human. When you accept Jesus, you have full access to God and your sins are atoned for by the blood of Jesus. 
In fact, if you look at Matthew chapter 27, verse 51, the moment Jesus died on the cross, the veil was literally torn into, it was ripped from top to bottom in the temple. Now, this 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 is because Jesus became the ultimate high priest. He became the blood sacrifice. And if we give our lives, if we dedicate our lives to him, we have permanent access to God, our Father. So as we close off today's reading, we come to chapter 31, where God gives Moses instruction to assign the work that he has commissioned to Aholiab and Bezalel. The Bible says that God filled them with the Spirit of God to be able to do and to build all that God had required. You know, I'm pretty good at certain things, but I'm not good at everything. And if God asked me to do and to build all of the things that He asked Moses to do and build, let's just say they probably wouldn't be worthy of, of anything that God would be a part of. So perhaps Moses might have been thinking the same thing here. But God raised up the people to do what he required. Now, in deeper student ministries, we have four pillars. Those pillars are every student, uh, uh, the Bible is our source, build strong families, and the last one is teamwork makes the dream work. I say last one, they're in no order, but the one, the one that I want to focus on is teamwork makes the dream work. Now, the, one of the reasons why is that one person wasn't intended to do the entire work of the ministry. That just wouldn't make any sense. And so that'd be like telling your pastor that he has to do or she has to do everything in order to uh, for the church to work. That doesn't make any sense. The, the, the church could only be so strong if one person was contributing. So it's to be a group or a community effort. All of us have a role to play in serving God. So discover what that role is for you, then dedicate yourselves to doing it. So we live in an era where the veil has been torn. We have complete access to God and we get to benefit from that. And it's through Jesus Christ. So you might be listening to this podcast and you may not have ever made a full decision to follow Jesus and to accept him as your personal savior. And if, if that's you and you're reading this and you want to have a, a closer relationship with God, let me tell you, the only way to have a relationship with God is through Jesus, through the Messiah, through our Savior. When you accept Jesus into your heart as your personal Savior, when you admit your sin, and when you allow Jesus to become that sacrifice for your sin, then you have complete access to God the Father. So let me pray with you. Heavenly Father, we thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for your sending your son Jesus to this earth so that he could become the sacrifice, that he could become the atonement for our sins, and that the veil has been torn. God, you desire a relationship with your creation, with your people, Father. And it's by your Son, Jesus Christ, that, that we have that bridge now. We have that communication. We have that, that connection. Father, thank you that there is no longer a separation between you and between us, God. Father, thank you for, for providing that way, Father. And Lord, I pray over every person who is on this journey with us, who is studying their Bible, who's reading their Bible. Maybe it's the first time they've ever gone through their Bible, Lord. And God, I pray that you'll bless them, Lord. Continue to, to open up their hearts, God, and continue to open up our ears to hear and give us understanding as we study your word, Father. God, thank you for being our God and for, for loving us, Lord. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, 
hey, if if you prayed that or if, if you want to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life, shoot me an email. Uh, contact us some way or find a, a Bible-believing church in your area. Uh, find a pastor that you can talk to. Uh, the, the, the best decision I ever made, and I've made a lot of good decisions. I've made a lot of, of bad ones, but I've made a lot of good ones too. But by far, the best decision that I've ever made in my life is to follow Jesus Christ and to allow Him to be my personal Savior and to be my connection to God the Father. Having a relationship with Jesus is the best decision I've ever made, and I would encourage you to make that same decision. So, hey, have an awesome day, and we will see you tomorrow. Now, if you think it gets better from here and in the nation of Israel, uh, they never make any mistakes. They have sin, but they're atoned for. They never do anything silly. Uh, wait till tomorrow when we start talking about things like the golden calf, and, and we're going to really see God's grace and God's patience in action. So I'll see you tomorrow, and we're going to continue in the book of Exodus. Have a great day.